Welcome back to Tuesdays with Tim, the podcast that touches on all things related to brain injuries among children and those impacted by my son, Luke. I am pleased to uh, introduce two people on this on today's podcast, Emily Parks, who works with Team Luke Ultra Minds. Um, what, what's your title? I think it's Do It All, uh, Miss Everything, MVP. Mm-hmm. Emily, what, what would you call your title? All of those things. Exactly. All so, the things. So Emily has been with us this year, um, helps us with um, communications, of course, and fundraising, and um, so blessed to have someone so talented join us um, this year. And also um, here with Aaron Finkelstein, um, who has um, so generously offered her time um, for our um, conference and had an incredible talk today. And I'd like to have Emily um, discuss that with you. Yeah. Well, hi. Hi, thanks Welcome. for having me. Thank you. And thank you, Tim. We always we always like when we get to sit here and talk with you. Well, You're so much fun. <laughs> I've been called other things, but we'll go with fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Aaron, um, you had a really, uh, a very full session. Uh, we, you know, I've been walking around helping uh, parents that are looking for their sessions or where are they going, and I got asked a lot about yours. And, you know, you talked about compassionate touch um, awareness through movement, and it's part of a um, it's part of a larger uh, system or service, isn't it? Can you tell me more about um, your presentation and what it is a subset of? Sure. So it's the Feldenkrais method, and Feldenkrais Moshe Feldenkrais was the first neuroplastician. If you can believe that. I call him the first neuroplastician because he taught people how to move and become aware of themselves through movement um, uh, before anybody else was really doing this, especially with kids with cerebral palsy. Uh, He worked with high-level athletes, and he was a scientist himself, but he was also the first judo master in the Western Hemisphere. He started the judo club in Paris, which still runs today in the 30s, which is kind of cool. But he died in 1980, and so he really peaked before the scientific community caught up with, ah, yeah, neuroplasticity is a real thing. So very interesting method, but it was, it's really about connecting with your own nervous system and your own potential. And so my talk was about, and it was really an experience for everyone, of how to connect with yourself and with your child through touch, through not being able I mean, through, through getting over the fear of t- touching your own kid in an intimate way and to start to play with movement in a way that isn't about um, what you do but how you do it. Because a lot of the times parents want to know what to do, what exercises to do. And I said anything is good as long as you have this connection to yourself and you know yourself and you can connect with their nervous system in a way that elicits a response in their own awareness. So that's one thing that we don't talk a lot enough about in this community is the the Mm self-perception of what's going on in that person that you're working with. Mm -hmm. Observing what can they do really well? How can we celebrate that? And how can that be the starting point to see Ah, if they really extend so well, right? And that's a problem with CPC sometimes. Look at how well they do that. How can we support them to do that? And then give them options through their skeletal system. So becoming aware of how the skeleton moves 
is, it, one, feels really good right. <laughs> for all adults. And when adults start to feel it in themselves, then they know what to elicit or the response in their child and how to get different movement patterns. So I think of movement as curvy roads. We can move north, south, east, and west, forwards, backwards, all these potential options in our skeletal system. Mm -hmm. And we don't need a lot of equipment to do that. But we need our own attention, our own awareness, and that's really what Feldenkrais tapped into. Yeah, he worked with people right after World War II um, to recover from the war, um, and he worked with scientists who were, you know, uncomfortable in their bodies. And he had a knee injury himself, um, and the doctor said, "Well, it's like a 50% chance you'll be able to walk on it again." He said, "Those are not good odds for a scientist." And you can imagine knee surgery in the 50s. Oh, I don't want to imagine that. No. <laughs> And he thought, well, if I, if I walk 100 steps and it doesn't hurt, and then something changes in the 101st step I take, what did I do differently? So he was one of the first people to create this um, idea about habits, habitual mo movements, and how to change your habitual movements, no matter what your condition is. So give me an example of you know, how a parent with a, a child with a brain injury my, what might be a, a, a typical situation? Um, would it be, or you know, you've also talked about children with CP. Um, what, what are we looking at? Give me, a, give me an example of how you would walk a parent through something like this. Well, let's try it together right now. So this oh, is what I did okay. yesterday. Okay. So what I want you to do is I just want you to interlace your hands. Okay. And I want you to take them apart. And I want you to do that a couple of times. You too, Tim. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Follow directions, Tim. I am down here. <laughs> and I just want you to do that a couple of times, and I want you to feel how you do that. You don't think about it, right? right. It's just a habit that you do that. Now, which thumb do you have on top? My right thumb? My left. Okay. Ooh. So that's a particular habit. So a lot of times with habits, we think they're good or bad. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out every single movement you make in your nervous system is a habit. So now slowly go and put the other thumb on top and feel what that's like. Well, silence that's, in the room. It took, it, it took you a few seconds, didn't it? Well, yeah. I had to figure out if I had to actually move both of my hands yeah. or if I could just move my thumb. It feels weird. Yeah. It's not normal. So it's not normal for you because that's not your habit. And it's the same for you. It's not normal for you because that's not your habit. Now, apply that thinking okay. to every single movement you make or don't make. So if your child, that's a very simple experience of how hard it is to change a habit, right? But if you can't crawl or you're trying to roll over and you can't do that, and then you throw too much at the system, you can feel, oh, gosh, if I tell you to do it as fast as you can and make it feel normal, that's going to be really hard for your system. So take your non-habitual way and do it really slowly. So slowly that you can make sure your breath is actually moving. And what can you become aware of? Do it several times. And what happens? Can you start to feel which fingers touch the other fingers first? Yes. So what you're doing is you're eliciting that response that we're talking about of getting a, your awareness of your sensorial body, right, your sensorial synapses to fire correctly. So the more you're aware of, the more you can sense, the more you can make distinctions and changes in your movement patterns, which is what we want out of these kiddos, right? We would like them to be able to move better. But until they can sense that from within themselves through this really slow process, 
we, we always say we go slow to go fast. Mm -hmm. But through this slow process, that's how you get to start to make distinctions. So I usually get a lot of kids that have tried all other therapies. <laughs> and they're like, well, we'll try this one now. And then oftentimes, it's a, the craziest things happen. Sometimes they start to talk or say things that they haven't said before. And sometimes they start to move in ways that I don't even know what's going to happen, but they go home and they try something different because we put their nervous system in a condition for learning, not fixing. So when we see parents watching therapy, they're watching what the therapists do. Mm -hmm. But what can parents do when they're at home to make this happen for their child? They can touch their children in this way, really slowly and lingering, and help them to start to discover where their skeleton is. We talk a lot about muscles that aren't working, right? But I am a musician, and I have to tell you that I had to learn through this method how to stop certain muscles from overfiring. And it wasn't through stretching. It was literally from learning how to feel how the bones worked together so you can with your own hands start to discover what is the shape of your own collarbone mm -hmm. and can you linger there and can you really feel your hand feeling your own skeleton or do you feel it do you feel it from the inside out or the outside in you can feel yourself from two perspectives but a child with a severe brain injury yeah so my my son luke who had anoxic injury yeah and if i we're able to do that kind of touching. Mm -hmm. How do I know, though, that there is a response? I think any parent listening would want to know, oh, how yeah. does he or she know? That there's a response. Because when you pay attention like this, you can see it. You can see something in their eyes respond to this. Even if, if my eyes are not engaged, mm -hmm. then how would I see? Yeah, you will feel it in your hands you will feel them breathe easier. If they are breathing easier, they're functioning better. I always tell people, if you can breathe, you can improve. So if all we're doing is working with, can you help that person feel their rib cage? Ah, can you see any movement change underneath your hands? So I have an ebook, a free ebook that I wrote for this conference as well. And in there I go through seven steps. And the, one of the steps in there is once you make contact with your child and you're really listening with your hand, really listening with what do you feel, being really honest, do you feel anything? Most of the time we don't because we don't think this way. But when you really start to let that sink in, then go with whatever they do. Don't fix them. Go with the first pattern they see. So one mom came up to me and said, well, my daughter goes into extension, and everybody tells me to just fold her, but I can't do it. She's too tight. I said, great. Go under her shoulder blades and support what she's doing so she can feel what's happening. Almost always when that happens, the child pushes back, and then I go to the other side, and I say, okay, here's extension, here's folding. So I ha then I start with the movement. So instead of trying to fix, you go where where the child is moving to, f to get underneath that area so they to see feel. they can feel that. So they can feel it. They don't know what they're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, you can't do what you want. And you can't learn what you're doing through language. Mm -hmm. This is a different, this is your brain stem, mm -hmm. right? It's like watching a baby learn how to, to learn how to walk. They don't all of a sudden get up and run. 
they literally take it's like time moving in slow motion so even if your child is wailing and moving really big you can have soft connective slow healing hands that allow you to help the, their nervous system calm down and help your nervous system calm down so let me ask you know when i first was uh, putting together the description on your discussion, the very first line says, how often do you touch your child? What is the baseline of the connection between you and your child? Talk us through how, you know, if a parent is able to do this at home and they use this method, what's the improvement that you see? What is that? So start with the baseline, mm-hmm. you gotta go somewhere. Yeah. Talk yeah. to us about the, the ups and downs of it. Right. So that idea that you're touching your child all day long but not really being conscious of it is, you know, we, we all are busy, right? And we're all touching electronics all day long. And this kind of approach leads you to places that you can't even fathom. I mean, one child in one lesson, the next lesson after doing some of this work, blew out his birthday candles for the first time he was seven years old. Another child, uh, his, his, his brain has been growing like crazy right now and he's holding his head up for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it's because what we're doing is we're getting the nervous system to feel itself in space so that it can start to coordinate movement on its own. And sometimes it takes a lot of lessons, a mm-hmm. lot of lessons. And so that's why I started a small foundation. Um, I have a non, I have a fiscal sponsorship. Um, so I'm, I can take donations, ta- tax, uh, tax donations because I want kids to get as many lessons as they possibly can and need because this really, I, I, I've seen so many miracles with this that I mean, parents like will say one kid just went home and started talking and I can't describe exactly why scientifically that's happening. And of course we want everything for everyone, but it's about really listening to whatever that person can do and, and getting out of this fixing mentality and Mm -hmm. into just following wherever the system can go. And what, what conditions does it need in its nervous system that we can create in our hands through movement that it can't come up with on its own. Right. Yeah. You know, um, when I knew that Luke was in there when I asked him to move his tongue, and he moved his tongue. But what really made our time so special is we had a chair, and I had a pillow, and I had Luke as if he were a little baby holding him in my left arm. But once I had him in that position with his legs over the, the other side of the chair, I could sense that he was happy, that he yeah. felt good because I was holding him yeah. in a different position. He was relaxed. So I certainly am in a perfect example of someone who mm. knows um, how touch affected my child. Yeah. So I am 100% in agreement with this. And mm. I think that's what parents during this conference have, have learned by listening to others and how did this affect mm. you and how did this impact you? Well, what you're telling me, I can tell you, mm. um, was, was important because I was always that way with my son anyway, mm. holding him, giving him a kiss on the cheek and, mm-hmm. and, and holding his hand. Um, so he enjoyed that. And, but laying in bed versus being with me was different in how I could see from his eyes mm. and just from his body. Yeah. 
Yeah, you you can learn to listen to a body by the way it moves. And Feldenkrais, uh, he, Feldenkrais it rhymes with ice, um, he uh, married a pediatrician. So he studied and watched how babies learned how to move. And he consciously brought that into the adult realm through awareness through movement lessons and that's how the verbally guided lessons are taught and he left like over 500 lessons because he wanted to create as much variation in the nervous system as possible um, because we we have this incredible skeleton in us with so much potential all of us do but we need to be put in different orientations to gravity with different variations and different conditions to be able to sense these different items and these different ways of functioning um and man it feels good once you make friends with your skeleton i mean it is like so it's so much stronger than muscle ask the egyptians right yeah. <laughs> these bones last forever well, you know and I, i'm gonna I, I feel like i keep going back to this anytime that i have conversations with parents or you know, record a podcast or you know it's i see um there's the science side of it, right? Mm-hmm. There's the medical side of it. Mm-hmm. But there's this other holistic approach that, you know, the parent has to take care of the parent in order to be able to take mm-hmm. care of the child. And even just sitting here where you were giving us the example with the the, hand. the hands, you know, when you made me do it the other way and then I had to slow myself down to make it even happen when you made mm-hmm. me switch, it relaxed my body. So it mm-hmm. almost feels like this is a benefit to the parent and the child absolutely in two different ways absolutely um, you know talk about uh, tell us about that how can parents how does this serve or can serve as self-care oh. and the benefit there absolutely so i actually have a membership where i teach online after after the pandemic we all went online um and i have a huge library of lessons and they range from 20 minutes because who has time anymore mm-hmm. to full 60 minutes and they go through um there's a whole series on stress there's a whole series on the jaw there's a series on all different parts of the body um but you don't have to even do a whole lesson even just the act of lying on the floor <laughs> can reset your nervous system you don't even have to do anything except for try to just listen to how you're interacting with gravity i do that all the time throughout the day as an adult i am laying down you just lay on the floor yes i haven't done it here but i might might do that i'm sure my six-year-old would look at me and wonder what's going on i'm lying on the floor floor. (laughs) but what that does is it switches off that you know that fight or flight mode that we're all working on some level every day in that in that cycle right um and it switches it off for just in just a moment you can go into that parasympathetic calm your nervous system but i literally just teach people how to scan themselves but it's you have to remember realize that feldenkrais was a scientist he was responsible for taking Marie Curie's material out of Paris um, when the Nazis invaded, and she's the only female who won two Nobel Peace Prize. Wow. So he took the scientific method, but then embodied it and wow. taught people, the lay people, people with brain injuries, high-level athletes, how to embody themselves differently right. in gravity. So you talked about um, you have a free ebook that is part of the conference is going to be available. We're going to make sure that that is available out Great. to our folks. But um, you said it's got seven seven steps in it. Can you quickly yeah. kind of walk through those and, and give us an sure, overview? Sure, if I can remember them. So the first is um, is observing yourself. So what can you sense in yourself right now? 
globally. Okay, so that's that idea of doing a scan. But even sitting here right now, I'm aware of, oh, I'm not, I don't have my full foot on the floor. I'm kind of tilting my leg, my, and I feel more of the weight on one side of my foot. Um, I can sense something about my pelvis. So it becomes a practice. So the second step is then to shift your attention because that's a whole, building awareness is a skill. It's a skill you have to practice, but you also don't need any tools except for your own self. So then I sh you shift your awareness to your hands and see what can you sense your hands. If you can't sense anything, which most of us can't anymore throughout our daily life because we're on electronics all day long, is do that interlacing. Okay, another thing you can do that I didn't teach that I but you can wave your hands sort of in a bell-like shape. And I do this all day long, and you can see I'm even like a little bumpy in my movements right mm -hmm. now because I'm a little dehydrated. And, you know, since this is audio and we can't say it, she looks like she's like casting a spell. <laughs> like she looks like a witch over a cauldron with her fingers, but very smooth and not, you bringing know, Bringing your hand, yeah, bringing the tips of your fingers together like a jellyfish. Yes. Okay, we call that the bell hand. So we teach, that's a whole lesson series in and of itself, but that's something that you can do to calm. The third is to then touch yourself and you then listen with your hand. I had once had a very literal client who said, I said, I, what, he said, what are you doing as I was touching him on the table in a functional integration lesson? And I said, I'm listening with my hands. He was so literal, he sat up and he said, do you actually hear something? <laughs> it was so funny. So talking about listening is really, what do you sense? What can you start to feel? So we're always talking about coordinating thinking, sensing, moving, and feeling. And when you change one of those pieces of the pie, something else has to change. Um, and then, so you can then take your hand to your child. So there's a lot before, this is a little bit of a practice, right? To then take that kind of touch to your child and just, just listen to them. Don't do anything. Don't fix anything. Just find a place where they like to be touched. Everybody knows the spot. You know, even with children that I, I've recently had, working with a, a, a little girl, a toddler, n nobody can touch her except for people in her own family. And she let me touch her for a whole hour on the table. Wow. And it's because I met her first. Her mom said she only likes to be touched on her feet. And I said, great, we're going we're gonna to go right there. And so we played with her feet. Then the next thing is to go with their movements first. Don't, when they are going into that pattern of some reflex that you don't like or they don't like, well, you know what it's like to try to get them out of it. It doesn't work, and it pisses them off more. Excuse me. Sorry. That's but, okay. right? It makes real them mad. Here. This is yeah, real talk. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so oftentimes, I, you help them go into it more. Support what they're doing <gasps> so then they can change. Okay, that's for like a more of a reflexive pattern. But if, it, if you're just playing with movement with their leg or with their hips, right? Hip joints are a big thing with these kiddos and trying to get the hips to form right and getting, that, getting the gravity to go through there. Well, if they, can't, if they aren't organized in space to be upright yet, you can do a lot of that through moving their leg. So you first go with them, go where they wanna go. And then you don't have to be an anatomist to work with your kiddo. Think about cardinal directions, north, south, east, and west. Your are these you you know your hips are a ball joint, they can go in all sorts of directions, top of the arm is a ball joint. That doesn't mean your kid can do that, but you might be able to find like a curvy road, like how slow could you go to see, okay, if they like to go here, let's call it north, but they don't like to go east. 
can we find is northeast as a possibility? And if you go slow enough, those, tish, those tissues say, ah, oh, you're listening to me. You can also use uh, constraints and variations. So you can do a movement pattern, then you can go another place in the skeleton and see, can these two places come together a little bit? And I'm talking, this is the lightest kind of touch, but when you start to feel how force can move through your skeleton, like it's a it's a miraculous feeling, I have to say. I blow people's mind all the time with it. And every time I get a Feldenkrais lesson, I've been doing this for 16 years, I'm like, this feels so amazing. I should do this for a living. Every time. <laughs> so those that are listening are wondering, how yeah. can I learn more about you? Where can I find the information online? Yeah, soundmovementservices.com or aaronfinkelstein.com. Sometimes it's hard to spell, but that'll take you to the same place. But Sound Movement Services on any of my uh, social media, I'm all on all of that. Um, Instagram's probably the most common. We also have her linked um, through our Facebook page as a presenter. Um, our conference page on the website has... Uh, we will have the, a recording of your uh, session uh, linked with, um, you know, your bio, your information, and Great. we'll make sure that we've got some connections Wonderful. there. So, you know, lots of ways to find her outside of Google. So, Erin, thank you so much. Oh, it was, uh, thank you. It was enlightening for us Great. as well, and I know Great. for those that are listening. So thank you for your support. Thank you for speaking at our conference, yeah. and we look forward to seeing you well, next year. Thanks for doing all thank this. Thank you it's so much. Amazing. <laughs>